0: Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of FPL Monday with David Sunday and if you'd have told me when I was in primary school that all of those day of the week jokes would still be happening uh, even when I was 30 years old and that I'd be making them about myself in front of people on YouTube I probably would have broken down crying and uh, told the teacher on you but well here we are. and i've also just noticed that even amid that particular introduction i completely forgot to actually update the intro slide here uh on the actual uh, on the obs itself so it still says FPL sunday um you're probably wondering What's going on here? Why is he, why is he doing this on a Monday? Well, it is my favorite day of the week after all. Um, but we're on a different day and time this week because I was a little bit busy yesterday with Team South. Uh, some of you, um, may have heard of Team South and Game Week 39. We've been preparing for Game Week 39 for 2023 for some time now. We had another pre-season friendly yesterday. Uh, this time against some trialists who were battling for the right to maybe get into the squad. If you don't know what Game Week 39 is, I won't bore you with all of the details, uh, on that. Um, but, uh, the money that we raised for Street Child United, uh, continued to be put to good use. So if you have a, a bit of a Google about them, you might find out some more information, find out ways you can donate to them. They're a very worthy cause. I know that, um, my good friend Johnny can tell you more about them as well. Um, to answer Colm's question, uh, were you in Reading yesterday? Yes, I was. Uh, that's where we were. And so then that is why I couldn't do this on the usual time of 7 pm on a Sunday evening because at that exact time, uh, myself, uh, Iceman, and uh Ross, or some of you may know him as FPL Merch. We all live in Devon. So the second that Liverpool game finished after we uh, watched it after that game, we were straight in the car. So at 7pm I was probably on like junction 12 of the M4, rather than in front of my computer in Plymouth to record this. So we thought we'd do it on Monday night. And actually seemingly fitting as well because we've got um, a deadline um on tuesday so we're gonna have a slightly different format to the show tonight um instead of me going over uh sort of like the top tweets of the game we've just gone and dwelling a fair bit on the matches that we've just played uh, i'm going to go through um and then sort of look f- uh, towards the upcoming uh tuesday night deadline with a bit of team news and player analysis and just some general looking ahead at some of the big decisions you guys are going to have to make uh so the deadline is uh it's 6 p.m uk time on tuesday um and you will be able to see that uh through with i believe a deadline stream special episode of the scout cast so if you want to make sure that you do not miss that special episode then make sure you subscribe to the fantasy football scout youtube channel make sure you hit that bell notification as well so you get a nice notification that it has begun and if you like this uh show as well then you can always throw us a cheeky like as well but you know you don't you don't have to do that that's completely on you only if you've had a good time but speaking of special episodes, uh, I should just warn you that next week, it, I mean, the schedule's all over the place again. Um, FPL Sunday with David Monday this time will be back on its usual day next weekend, or this weekend, I should say, on Sunday October 23. However, it will be at the slightly earlier time of 6.15pm, and I'm fairly sure that has precisely nothing to do with the special episode of Doctor Who starting at 7.30pm on BBC One, slap bang in the middle of when I'd normally be streaming. I can promise you it's got nothing to do with that, so just keep your eyes peeled on that earlier time. So that's enough about, well, I say that's enough about me. I'm actually going to go straight into how I got on in Game Week 11 so we get this dross out of the way. Um, By all means, chuck in the chat how you got on in Game Week 11 as well. Um, I'm kind of hoping there'll be people out there who did worse than me to make me feel better. Alternatively, if you did really well, let me know as well so that I can uh, help celebrate your your joys uh, of FPL. And to answer your question, Natasha, it is a Marvel T-shirt that I have on. Um, I never really grew up. I still wear T-shirts with um, with comic book heroes on them. So, yeah, that's me. Um, if, if you're, if you're bored of FPL this season and you want to tell me who your favorite Marvel superheroes are, you can chuck that in the chat as well. Um, Game Week 11 is slightly, slightly early to, to be thrown in the towel. (laughs) Uh, but I won't, I won't complain. I, you know, I, I will always appreciate a bit of, um, a bit of a tangent on this particular show. Mr. Blackhand says it's Monday night football. It absolutely is, just with slightly less Carragher, slightly less Neville, slightly less talent, and slightly less actual football on the TV. I'll do my best. Um, Brett has got 54 points in Game Week 11, which is better than me. So well done, Brett. 52 points for Tim, who's ranked at 1.3 million. Uh, Megat got 70 points with a minus 8, but that's still pretty good. So 60 points, I'm going to guess, is the net score. And he is buzzing. Well, I'm not surprised. That's a great score to get in a game where the average was around 46. Getting 62 points, a good 20. Good 20 points, uh, on the, on the average there. I'm sure that, um, helped you out with your green, with the green arrow and put you into a decent, um, ranked position. You'll be able to notice that my team, as you can see, didn't do very well. My overall ranking has absolutely tanked ever since I wildcarded. So clearly, clearly I know what I'm talking about and you guys should absolutely be listening to me. I think I was on 400k two weeks ago. I then wildcarded, dropped 200k or 300k, I think to 700k on the first week of the wildcard. Second week of the wildcard, I'm now on 950k. It's, yeah, it's a tough time. Although, Colm has just got in touch to say that he got 35 points with 20 points on his bench and should have trusted the Newcastle defence, he says. I mean, that sucks. I'm really sorry for you, man. But what I will say that makes me feel better. So thank you very much. I mean, sometimes going over these scores, part of your job sometimes when you create this content is to make sure that you make everyone else feel better. So if you had a bad game week and you got more than 45 points... Have a look at my team and hopefully it makes you feel better. Um, I'll, I'll For the benefit of the podcast listeners, I will go through and tell you who's in my team. And I do also want to apologize because last week I made a big point of how much I was um, going through things for the podcast listeners, describing things as well as showing people things. And then I started doing a load of hand gestures and not explaining them. And someone <laughs> tweeted me to be like, <laughs> you can't say for the benefit of the podcast listeners and then just start doing things with your hands and not explain them. So I'm going to work really hard to make sure that I'm... I'm really describing things properly this time around. So my team then for Game Week 11, mercifully, I decided to start Guayita over Ward. So I did make five points there. So I I benched uh, Ward. Then my back three was Trippier, Cresswell and Cucurella. So I was one of those people that instead of getting a Spurs defender for Reese James because I was a bit I was a bit nervous about how much the, the Spurs defenders were going to play and they play United in game week 12 didn't go for one of them felt that Cucurella would get the whole game because he you know had played most of the Wolves game wasn't particularly involved in the Milan game so I thought well here we go if we're going to have a bit of a swapsy, you know for this game surely he's going to come in nope came well I mean well he did but he came up at half time so I think I'm already learning to really despise the uh, Potter bringing the sorting hat so to speak to Chelsea because I had Reese James last week. I had Cucurella this week. That means uh, both of Chelsea's clean sheets have kept. I've not actually managed to benefit from either of them despite owning a Chelsea defender each week. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately my priorities lie elsewhere for my transfers, which we'll get onto in a minute. My midfield, an absolute power midfield of two points for Bowen, three points for Zaha, two points for Madison, two points for Trussard. I mean, it's just... Wow, dreadful! And of course, Madison now out. I'm, I know I'm not alone on that one. So we are going to talk about Madison replacements a little bit later. And then my front line, which has been quite reliable this year, still the same front three. I've had it all season since game week one. It's even survived my wild card. Jesus, two points. Harland with his first blank. So captain Dim got four points for him. Nine points for Kane, who actually continues to be continues to be a very reliable asset. Uh, even if he's quite he, the thing is his his floor is quite good. His ceiling at this season is is not great So I, I keep getting single figure hauls for him and he's costing a lot of money, but it's, the points have got to come somewhere. And I've, very, I've, I've been largely happy with him so far. A couple of people have got in touch to talk about how, um, they got on as well. Oh no, sorry, they're asking, asking questions about my team and things like that. Um, Brett just commenting saying ouch big drop after wildcard bring on the world cup and reboot your season. I mean yeah thanks that's like, I mean thanks like that is how I'm viewing this. I'm like if I can just get to game week 16 and still be in the top million I'll just I'll take that. I'll take that. I, I was looking really how I was I was kind of looking to the top 100k when I was wildcarding and I was on 400k after a big green area and it's all just sort of come tumbling down. I'm a bit nervous not having Salah. We're going to talk about that as well. Um so we've got some questions about Darwin Núñez, uh, Jota, and Diaz are injured. Obviously, that's come from Ali. We we'll probably have a look at it, look at that a little bit later. But Tim just pointing out uh, that Dyer has been a good addition for him since game week eight, and I'm glad you pointed that out because he was someone that I thought about getting for um, Rhys James. Spurs' defense is really good, and obviously the the game that they've played in game week eleven against Everton was a great fixture to have a Spurs defender. Provided that you were confident they were going to play the whole game, and clearly Dyer is the, is the most obvious one there. Um the main reason I didn't go with Dyer was uh, on at that particular junction. If I I mean I should probably should have bought a Spurs defender for Game Week 8 and Dyer seems like the most reliable starter, obviously. It was, it's just that United game just put me off. I just felt that um someone like Dyer would probably just get me two points because he's not gonna have that attacking threat. Although now I've said that, he's probably gonna score a bullet header from a corner, but we'll see. Um so yeah, that's how my team got on in game week eleven. What it's looking like for game week twelve though. It's actually not too bad. I'm quite happy with this. I, because I wildcarded for game week 10, it meant that I was in a position where I needed to build for 12. And yes, I could have wildcarded in the game week 13, but I kind of felt like a wildcard that only lasted three weeks was sort of not wasting the chip, but not maximizing it uh, to its, you know, its best potential. Um, and so, yeah, I went in game week 10. And the handy thing was, I still felt like I could build a decent squad for 12 and it not constrained me too much. And so what I've got, for game week 12, then, without having to make any transfers at this point. I've only got one free one. I was hoping to have two, but Reese James got injured. Guaita in goal again against Wolves, and then I'm going to bring Gaye in off the bench, uh, for, um, for Cresswell. Obviously playing Liverpool, Gaye's playing Wolves. Um, bringing Webster into the team in the place of Haaland on the bench. So Webster in the back four alongside Cuccarello and Trippier. Uh, my midfield is, uh, Bowen, Zaha, currently Madison, because I've not changed them yet trossard and then march coming off the bench for jesus and then Kane up front on his own and at the moment i i I did my best captain you know pretty much as the the game week 11 deadline passed they did put it on trossard but that may change now i just haven't changed the captaincy yet. i don't own salah which is probably probably everyone's going to say that in the comments now like where's salah where's salah again we're going to talk about that i have no idea who i'm going to captain at this point but that's what i'm looking at but i'm relatively happy to have 11 players for for twelve, um, and I've got some decent stats actually in terms of how many other people are in the same boat, which people may find interesting uh, in just a minute. Tim saying that I've got a good team. Well, thank you very much, Tim. I appreciate that. Bowen uh, away at Liverpool is not favourable, and I don't mind Kane at Man United. I think Kane can get something from that game. I mean, my thoughts on Bowen is I still feel like West Ham could score in this game. I know that I know that Liverpool have gone and uh, kept a clean sheet against Man City, but sometimes the the big big games. Not always, but sometimes you have to sort of extract them a little bit from some of the stats because the two big teams, they obviously approach the game very differently. You know, the way that Liverpool approach a game against everyone else is very different to how they approach a game against City, and City, you know, is absolutely the same. And Liverpool's defensive stats like still have not been that good. Going into game week 12, I think they were in the bottom three or four for big chances conceded in the previous four matches. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we all captained Haaland, right? So um, having having Bowen... I'm personally personally, quite happy with. I think that West Ham will actually get more goals in that game than people potentially I th- I think they will. Um, but, you know, now, again, now I've said that, he's probably going to blank. But, I mean, that's my that's my view on that one. Uh, Utkash says, he's got two free transfers, going Madison to Salah and looking for Haaland replacements. Going to wildcard in game with 13 and have Jesus and Kane up front. Well, uh, sounds like half a man after my own heart. I mean, I don't really like the idea of selling Haaland, but... Um, Jesus and Kane up front. Clearly, that's something that I think is good, something I've had for a long time. So, yeah. And, and thank you very much to, to Multi Live Evil, who says, My team is good. Although, um, when someone with the word evil in their name thinks your team is good, maybe, maybe I'm the baddie. I don't know. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's enough about my team. What we can do is we can sort of look at everyone else's team because sometimes when you go into these blank game weeks, it's really important for you to sort of get a feel for what everyone else is up to. Uh, not that you, you know, want it to completely dominate your strategy, but you know, you do, it can sometimes tip the balance in terms of like how many hits you are willing to take or what chips you are willing to play and things like that. And it, and obviously, this isn't really you know a big blank game week. Uh, it, well, I mean, it is for some, I suppose. There it, is only two teams missing, but they're teams that we've had a lot of players for. So, Man City and Arsenal obviously not involved. So, Jesus, Martinelli, De Bruyne, Haaland, all those players not around. So, what is quite useful is if you go to the Fantasy Football Scout website on the homepage, there is a column sort of in the middle that has all of the polls in and the, the editorial team have done a very good job of making sure these are all in place ready for the tuesday's deadline asking some of the key questions about how people's teams are shaping up in terms of uh, who's who you're thinking of captaining because obviously it's a week where we, we all been perma captaining harland and he's not involved so a very important question there uh, how many players that you're able to field of course with the blank game week you know, I've seen people get in touch on Twitter and in all sorts of places. You've sort of sat there with seven players and a bit nervous. So, working out how many people are in that boat sometimes is useful on whether or not you take hits and play chips, things like that. And they've also got a poll on how people are approaching it with their transfers and chips. So, I'm going to read through some of this information. Hopefully, hopefully, it's useful for you in terms of making your decisions. So, starting off with the captaincy poll for Scout, then, the interesting thing is, is I sort of uh, felt like we were in the sort of post sala era and maybe I was a bit premature in thinking that. You know, with no Man City and Arsenal, you know, I sort of felt like, ooh, maybe the captaincy is going to be wide open. And I was really excited to see what this poll was going to have. But just in the flick of a boot and a 1-0 win over City, Salah all of a sudden is back on the Iron Throne. And he, at the moment, is top of the Fantasy Football Scout captain poll with 53.15% backing from the voters, which is just, wow. I mean... You know, kind of kind of a, a little bit. Looks like what you'd expect on a YouGov, you know, general election poll. <laughs> Salah for Prime Minister, let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm now terrified not owning Salah. But uh, uh, it's worth pointing out that the second and third place as well um, are just miles behind him, obviously. Trossard is in second place with 14.17%. Uh, I think that probably would have been higher if he'd have got some attacking returns in recent games for Brighton. Uh, but there we are. And then Kane in third place with 10.7% of votes. And then you got Mount Zaha, uh, on like 3 and 2% each. Other is on 2.46%. So if you're captaining Other, let me know. Let me know what his stats are. Gross, Trippier and Solanke complete like the top 8. And, and it really is, is not really, I wouldn't say it's wide open at all. Which is really, I mean, I guess it's sort of surprising and not surprising. Salah's really just not been in the conversation for ages. But then, of course, he has gone and scored the winning goal in the game that was the most watched of the last game week. So I can understand how there'd be that that reaction. We're going to go into a little bit more detail on Salah later on. Uh, but hopefully that information about what people are doing with Salah is potentially useful. Um, Keith Rowley says that Salah was always coming in game week 12 for most people with a great run of fixtures. I mean, I, I suppose the thing is, I'm someone who doesn't have KDB. And so my route to Salah this week is, is difficult, so that's why I'm scared. But a lot of people, if you've got KDB and you're thinking of wildcard and 13, actually it's not too bad to just bring Salah in now and then maybe wildcard KDB back in with City's fixtures looking nice. Uh, so I suppose that's probably helped facilitate things for some people. Thomas Maynard said that he's taken the free hit because he kept three Arsenal and three City. I mean, the thing is, if that's what you've done with your team, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I personally don't want to play the free hit but if that's what your team is set up especially if you're looking to really capitalise on City and Arsenal having nice fixtures in 13-16 to 16, that doesn't make a lot of sense so let's look at that particular part of things then in terms of the, the polls that we've got so again for the benefit of the podcast listeners my hands are by my side I'll make sure there are no gesticulations that I don't describe to you what uh, they were asked the Fantasy Football Scout readers was how many players with a fixture do you plan to field in Game Week 12 and lo and behold uh the the winning number in this poll was 11 so 56.4% of fantasy football scout uh readers are able to so they say field an entire 11 for this particular game which i mean again quite surprises me quite a lot because sometimes you know when you get so many questions leveled at you in in different parts of uh all over different platforms asking about you know how many players is the right number to have you so I sort of wondered if maybe there was a lot of people that were really struggling, and sometimes this well, this just proves that you can't always trust the anecdotal evidence. The data here suggests that people are actually pretty well equipped, and 27.56% of Fantasy Football Scout readers have 10 players, and so then obviously they're going to have at least one transfer. It's probably going to be Madison, isn't it? So, you know, they, they will maybe be able to get to 11 as well. 9% had 9 players. 2% had 8. 2.6% had 6 or fewer. 1.4% had 7. So that hopefully gives you an idea of, of the landscape of of what people have got available. And then in terms of how they're approaching their transfer decisions, uh, it was the options were things like are you taking what, what hits you taking, you know, what chips you're using, you're not using a chip, that sort of thing. 33.8%... Our fantasy football scout readers said that they would take a minus four hit and that was the most common approach. So worth pointing out now that if you go into this game, we're not taking any hits entirely possible that you're going to be, you know, nice little green arrow bump just the deadline passes before any, any ball gets kicked because it does look as if there is going to be a lot of people taking a hit. Um, using your free transfer, uh, was second place with 29.8%, 16% or oh, Fantasy Football Scout readers are going to use the free hit. 8.6% are going to use a minus hit, a uh, minus eight, sorry, minus eight hit. hit. Uh, 8.1% are going to use their wild card. 1.7% are rolling the transfer. And 1.46% Brave Souls are aiming for a minus 12 hit or more, if the polls are to be believed. So some really interesting numbers there. Um, I think I was actually quite surprised by all the results, the, how far ahead Salah was in the captaincy. How many people do actually have a full eleven? But also how many people are taking um hits as well. I I yeah. I'm surprised yeah, i just surprising set of results and hopefully that sort of thing is useful for people when they make their own decisions. Um whilst I was reading all that we've had some other comments. So Multi Live Evil says Kane, Jesus, uh, Harlan, Zaha, Martinelli, Madison, Andreas, Morgan Gibbs White, Perisic, Cancello, Trippier, Gay, James, Kepper, Ward, one free transfer. It's a pretty good place to be in, to be honest. That's a pretty solid team for this game. Tim says he currently has nine players, two City and three Arsenal, but I might just take a free hit since I didn't use it a couple of weeks back. Yeah? I mean, I mean, again, I think if you've got so many City and Arsenal players, I do think that makes a lot of sense for you. Um, Brian points out that if the minus four player hits, then the minus four could pay off. Well... I usually go through some of the meme, the meme FC tweets, and I felt like there wasn't really room for them this particular game week. But what I will say is that once again, we're in that position where everyone is being told your minus four is only a minus two if you're taking out someone who's not playing. And once people joke about that, always coming up, there is an element of truth to that. Um, especially if you're getting rid of Madison, who is, isn't going to play, so those those minus fours could could potentially pay off. They could potentially pay off. Now, one thing I did promise was some team news. I know that Neil will be doing his team news on Tuesday, but you know, if you're not free, and you are free right now, then a bit of early team news might be useful for you. So, um, It's been a while since I've been able to get my uh, Roma sleeves up and get stuck into some team news. I used to do a bit of that when I was the editor of Scout. Not so much these days. But some really interesting things to, uh, to point out, actually, uh, relevant, of course, to game week 12 players. And the most exciting place to start has to be uh, with Spurs. Uh, they uh, had their uh, pre-game week 12 uh, press conference today where Conte reiterated that 3-4-3 is his preferred setup, and he listed Ivan Perisic as one option who could potentially potentially get involved in the front three. And so the exact quote was, yes, I would like to stick with the 3-4-3 because in my idea, we've worked a lot with the system. Lucas Moura is recovering from his injury. Uh, Gil is making progress and then I have Ivan Perisic who can play like a striker. I mean, wow. I mean, that's just music to the ears of fantasy managers, especially in a week when potentially coming into this game with not as many players as you'd like or other people are and you've got a full 11 and one of them's Perisic incredibly exciting or you need a replacement for a Chelsea defender like Reese James or somebody you feel like won't play like Cucurella Perisic potentially ready-made, although, I mean, the rotation thing is is, is still going to be a problem as well. But um, uh, the other line that we've had uh, out of Spurs today is that um, Kulishevsky's game with 12 involvement still in some doubt, whilst Emerson Royal serves the last of a three-game ban, and Rashalison is sidelined with a calf injury. So, you know, there, there are definite absences at, um, at Spurs that genuinely could push Perisic into an advanced role for this game, which would be hugely exciting. And uh, what I've included on the screen I mean, I mean, the thing is, these these particular parts of Fantasy Football Scout, in my opinion, are legendary at this point, aren't they? Uh, the team news tab. But just in case there's anyone out there who's not used it before, then here we are as a taster of what you can get on Fantasy Football Scout with Neil, who is, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, you know, so only counts so far. <laughs> but in my opinion, he is the most reliable predictor of a team in the Premier League, really, in coverage of the Premier League, in my opinion, because he just does it for all 20 teams, and he just he spends 40 hours a week just micro-analyzing every lineup in every competition of every Premier League team and he's just, he's so reliable with this sort of thing. So, just rolling back to the idea of, all, I might, you know, are you worried about Perisic this year, uh, this game week, he's not, you know, played 60 minutes in a lot of games this year. Well, rest easy in the fact that Neil has included him in his predicted lineup for game week 12 for Spurs. Now, he's got it as a 3-5-2 uh, despite Conte uh, talking about the 3-4-3 but, you know, sometimes can be quite fluid, these systems. Uh, but he's got the recent goal, Sanchez, Dyer and Ben Davis as the back three. Perisic, Joyberg, Besuma, Bentancur and Doty as the midfield five and Kane and Son up front. So if you were looking for a bit of help on who you think is going to play for Spurs, well, there we are. And you can find more information of uh, this particular ilk on the team news tab on Fantasy Football Scouts. Very, very useful. Uh, Tim Edmund, just harking back to our comment on HIT, said that his minus 20 will only be a minus 10. Lol. I mean, as long as you're getting rid of players who aren't playing and replacing them with players who are then you're absolutely right, my friend. <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, and Feynor, 1977 said this show should simply be called Monday Monday, but the first Monday spelled with an O and the second Monday spelled with a U. Well, I'll pitch it to Az. Uh, a lot of this stuff I have to run by him, so we'll have to see on that one. And Godwin says he currently has 10 players. Should I take a minus four to get up to 11 players? Well, let's just go back to some of them stats just to show you how that, what sort of stead that will put you in. If you've got 10 players, you're in the 27.6% of fantasy scout managers who say that's how many they've got. Uh, you would be in a crowd of people of roughly around 33.8% of fantasy managers taking a minus four. So you're not exactly going to be out on your own. You know, you're not going to be doing something that's necessarily going to set you back too far compared to everybody else. Um, and a lot of people can field an eleven, so needing to get to eleven is, you know, probably more important to do in this game week than if you know if we sometimes when we have these game weeks where four or five fixtures are called off, you know, you, you, the realistic number that you need to get to is probably like seven or eight. Uh, you know, if you want to feel covered versus everyone else, but it does it does appear that you you may want to try and get to eleven if you can in this particular game week because of how many people can. And taking a hit to do that is probably not the worst thing in the world because lots of other people are also taking hits. So that's the answer to that question uh, for me. So I thought I'd do some other team news as well. Spurs is the most exciting, but there's one particular talking point that I think is potentially of note for people here. Now, I mentioned that I, when I did my bus team, the first thing I did after I benched Jesus and Heartland, was to captain Trossard. But I'm a little bit nervous now, a little bit nervous now, about him potentially playing back at left wing-back again uh, for this uh, for this next game. Of course, they're playing Nottingham Forest, which is a, a very attractive fixture. But is Trossard going to be in the right place to do the damage? That is the question. Now, my toma is out, and so that means that, you know, there's um, uh, duties that need to be... Uh, fulfilled in his particular position but um, De Zerbe has come out and said in his press conference today he said tomorrow Adam Lalana plays which is quite What well, I mean that's quite refreshing isn't it to actually see a manager actually just come out and be like definitively telling people that this person is going to play I mean I feel like so many press conferences now have just kind of descended into the sort of Mourinho-esque I prefer not to speak you know I'm just not going to tell you <laughs> it's like well then why bother with the press conference but so it's nice to see De Zerbe, uh, Coming in and telling us who's going to play, but of course the downside is that if Lallana's going to come in, and Gross is, you know, you would expect to be in the in the sort of the other number ten. I mean, for the, for the benefit of the podcast listeners, who are very important to me, of course, what we've got on the screen right now is another one of Neil's predicted lineups uh, with Brighton in there three four two one, and if Gross is going to come in, uh, sorry, if Gross is obviously going to hold his 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 role down as one of those two attacking midfielders, and Lallana's going to come in. To the team when McAllister and Caicedo have done quite well as the two, sort of the central mid- midfield pairing. That's what, that's what Neil is suggesting here with, uh, with Lalana playing in that, uh, more advanced role. Because of course, uh, he can't, he couldn't play left wing back, but Trossard has done it under Potter. Entirely possible that that's where Trossard's going to have to fit into this team. And it would be just my luck to have got Trossard instead of Foden on my wild card, with the specific purpose of having a great captaincy option for Game Week 12 when Brighton play like the worst defence in the league in Nottingham Forest. For Trossard to play left-back the whole game and Lalana, Gross and Welbeck to be the one who get all the goals. <laughs> that would be so FPL, wouldn't it? I'm sure I'm not the only one in that boat. Let me know if you are a little bit nervous about that now for Game Week 12. Um... Brian says that I feel like Mount is a better option than Trossard Mount is a better option than Trossard now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I potentially agree as well. We got some. We're going to talk about Mount in a minute, actually. Um, but and uh yeah I think if i was if I was choosing between the two of them, I'd probably go for mount now just be- because of this particular development and of course, just the fact that Trossard has done well in the last couple of games you know I've been speaking to ads a little bit over the last few weeks just trying to keep tabs on what brighton have looked like in their games and you know he's still confident that Trossard is the is the biggest threat just just hasn't stuck his chances away um but that left wing back potential could be a problem but as as I mean, I should thing I should say for the podcast listeners, I've also just got a bit of a comment from Hans on the screen as well because I, I do trust him in Brighton, and he's he said that uh, that he just reiterates that Trosside is the biggest threat. So he's not dead cert to play in a defensive position, but it just that it's just that little bit of nervousness back of your mind when he comes when it comes to captaincy. I always like to make sure that I'm avoiding potential caveats that on them their uh, ability to do well, and this just this niggles at the back of my mind a little bit. Um, and Tim Edward says that Mason Mount and Kepper are different gravy under Potter as well. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair point, which we are going to talk about, uh, in a minute. Magic 69 does point out that Trosser has been very advanced when he has played as a wing back. That is a fair point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, if it just still makes me nervous. It still makes me nervous seeing him play in that particular part of the field. That is just my opinion. So take it with a pinch of salt. You'll be able to see on the screen that my current rank is 955k. So you just have to take everything with a pinch of salt on this particular show. When it comes out of my mouth, anyway. I'm no Mark Sevens, let's put it that way. Um, What else have we got going on around the league? And just a bit of additional team news, just to help people get ready for Game Week 12. All clear at Crystal Palace. Uh, Vieira confirming that Palace have no new injuries ahead of Game Week 12, which is good for those of you who've kept hold of Zaha for his incredibly huge hauls, uh, like me. So, you know, he's going to start. Gay obviously, has done very well, and will be starting as well. So, a very quick slide, that one. Palace press conference is done. Everyone is fit. That's all you need to know. Um, and the last piece of team news that I've got for anyone who still has Neko Williams and is scrabbling around for an 11th man and a bit worried about the fact that he's, you know, not started all the games recently. Well, Steve Cooper has confirmed that Sergio has picked up a muscle injury. He's not been ruled out again game week 12. The exact quote is it's a muscle injury, so we will see what today and tomorrow bring. But usually with muscle injuries. That managers don't like taking risks at all, and with a quick turnaround, you know my personal opinion would be that he's probably not going to play. But we do just have to specifically point out that he has not been ruled out. So if Aureo plays instead of Williams, then technically you can't sue me because of what we've clarified there. And also worth pointing out, I've seen a few people say on Twitter actually that even if you start Neco Williams in game week twelve, you might end up with zero points anyway <laughs> because he probably just concede so many goals that that's the score it will get. So yeah first world problems eh so that's all the team news out of the way and so we're on to our talking points now which largely revolves around madison replacements i am like many of you i had madison for game week 11 and of course he blanked and he very infamously got his yellow card at the end of the game and is suspended so mount and salah are kind of the two names that are in the conversation Uh, depending on, you know, sort of what your budget is, because, I mean, some people won't be able to make that leap. Some people might be able to. Mount, obviously, is a straight swap. But these are the two in the conversation. So we're going to break these guys down a little bit and have a bit more of a look at them and some other options as well. So uh, starting with Mason Mount then. Nice little uh, tweet from Fantasy Football Scout that Mason Mount is currently the most transferred in player ahead of Game Week 12. In Game Week 10, got two assists. In Game Week 11, got two goals. And so, you know, pretty good form coming into this game and crucially as well, just continually starting under Graham Potter. I mean, it's no surprise, really, when you think that basically every manager who's ever had him always starts him all the time. You think back to Lampard at Derby, then Lampard at Chelsea. He was he's very regular under Galf Southgate, um, even amid some people saying he shouldn't play. I mean, I, I think that just... FPL aside, I think Mason Mount is a fantastic player who does a lot of the things that you don't necessarily notice in a team. Just kind of keeps things ticking along. And and that's that's why basically every manager who's worked with him always plays him. And he seems to be the only outfield player that can seem to uh, survive Potter's. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean. Do we call it Potter really? I mean, I, I call it the sorting habit. I know that's a bit of a rubbish analogy. But whatever you want to call it, the rotation there. He seems to be the only one who can survive it. Although, Keith Rowley. <laughs> Basically, as I'm saying that, I was just pointed out in the comments that this, he reckons, is going to be the week he gets rotated. I mean, to be fair, that could happen because it's a quick turnaround. He hasn't really had any rest on the pot yet. You never know. You never know. That is obviously the caveat. We're going to compare him with some other options in a minute. And then just the other thing we got on the screen is just highlighting that Salah was responsible for 0.86 of Liverpool's total of 2.04 xG against uh, Man City in the 1-0 win. So is he back? Well... We're going to have a look at that in more detail. Uh, Fatality says, what's your take on Sinistera? He's got good fixtures in 12 and 13. Good differential. Fantastic name as well. I think he's got one of the best names in the Premier League. Sounds very sinister. Um, And uh, Ernest is asking about thoughts on Firmino. Lots of transfers in, especially with Jesus out as well. I mean, I quite like Firmino as well. His stats have been pretty decent recently. We'll come on we'll come on to Liverpool Attackers uh, soon. So if you stick with us, we will be able to hopefully answer your question there. So in terms of breaking down Madison replacements, then the first thing that I always look at uh, is fixtures. And that's not to say that form isn't important. I like to look at both, but I do just like to start with fixtures. And where better to identify who has the best fixtures in the Fantasy Football Scout season ticker, which is available to premium members. If you are not a premium member of Fantasy Football Scout um sign up now because it will make a massive difference to your season um my best seasons as a fantasy premier league manager have always been when i spend basically 40 hours a week in the members area i mean it was my job admittedly Uh, so (laughs) that's how i could justify it to my family and friends but there's no reason that you can't do that if you don't have family or friends (laughs) you can do the same and so yeah if you uh head to fantasy football scout and have a look at the members benefits on the website. Make sure you sign up to get access to this wonderful tool, which allows you to customize the upcoming fixtures to sort by difficulty for attack, defense, you know, for what particular period. And so what I've got on screen right now is the best six teams for attacking difficulty between game weeks 12 and game week 16. Now the world cup is, is happening after game week 16. So if you're hoping to make your decision, your Ma- Madison replacement, you want to be a, a so-called long-term option, someone you can have for all five game weeks between now and the World Cup. And then twelve to sixteen is the stretch to look at. And a little bit annoyingly, a lot of the teams that you can see here don't really have some of the best players, but it's worth just highlighting who these fi- who has these best fixtures over an extended period. So Crystal Palace they rank best for attacking uh, difficulty of fixtures over the next five game weeks. Got Wolves at home, Everton away, Southampton at home, West Ham away, Forest away. That's a big one. Forest defence is quite poor. Now, a lot of you will be looking at that and be like, well that's why I've got Zaha and so therefore your Madison replacement probably isn't going to be him if you've already got him. Uh, I'm one of those people so I can't do that. What I will just say is that if you haven't been that impressed with Zaha and you don't have him, then maybe Eze could be one worth looking at. A little bit cheaper. And potential differential as well. But certainly the point is that Palace have decent fixtures. Everton are second best for this. Again, a little bit annoying because they don't exactly have incredible players. Although we've got some interesting numbers on Damari Gray coming up soon. Uh, Newcastle away. uh, Palace at home. Fulham away. Leicester at home. Bournemouth away. Really nice fixtures here. I mean, especially Fulham, Leicester and Bournemouth. They're teams that are really porous at the back this year. Uh, So maybe in a couple of weeks' time, that's going to look nice. Bournemouth got Southampton at home. West Ham away. Tottenham at home. Leeds away. Everton at home uh their third crucially here, I mean this is one of the reasons why there's a lot of interest in Salah, fourth best for attacking difficulty over the next five game weeks is Liverpool, they've got West Ham at home next which actually isn't actually as nice a fixture as you think which we'll talk about soon, but um yeah that's up next, but it's it's really the fixtures after that or three of the four after that that are quite attractive for Salah, Forest away in 13 is obviously, I mean I think everyone's going to be captaining Salah for that, Leeds at home Leeds been very porous defensively this year Spurs away, that's going to be tough for Liverpool but you know, Salah has a good history of scoring against Spurs and then Southampton at home again week 16 so nice fixtures there. And it's Villa and West Ham that complete the top six uh, of the, uh, the the best attacking difficulty fixtures over the next five game weeks. You know, Villa, probably not really someone, not really a team to look at in that regard. But West Ham, you know, with Bowen, has, has done relatively well recently. A lot of interest in Scamacca as well. Obviously, he's not your Madison replacement, but he's someone worth mentioning. So yes, they're the teams that have the best fixtures for that particular period. Um, Godwin says he's planning to sell Foden. Who is the best player to replace him? Well, you've come to the right place because this is our Madison replacement section, and I mean, basically, it's the same thing, isn't it? Because and with Foden, he got even more uh, money to spend. Um, and Gabriel has got in touch to say hello. Hello to you as well. Uh, he had a great game week. Um, uh, oh no! Oh, sorry, I misread that. He has a great game week ahead because uh, Cancelo, Foden, Martinelli, Harden, Jesus, all in the team so struggling a little bit for players there Uh, possible free hit uh, in that regard Keith Rowley pointing out West Ham bad on the road not an easy fixture but nice enough I feel yeah I think that's fair enough I think I probably wouldn't be signing Bowen this week but obviously owning him I'm you know uh, I'm sort of happy to, to, to roll with that I think he could be right there although Liverpool's defence not been great this year, so I, I, I'm mildly hopeful, mildly hopeful, but I can see where you're coming from there. So we talked about the fixtures, let's talk. Let's have a look at the form then, and uh, there's a lot of numbers on the screen now, and I will sort of cherry-pick what I read out for the benefit of the podcast listeners. If I read out all the numbers, this is just going to sound like a binary podcast, and I, I don't think anybody wants that. So what we're looking at first then is players in form over the last four matches in terms of their attacking stats, and I will just... Um, Reiterate again, all of this data is fully accessible to you if you are a premium member of Fantasy Football Scout, where you can customize all these tables and sort them however you like. And you can make your own tables you can look at heat maps and touch maps. There's just the world is your oyster in there. So if you're not a member, do sign up. And I know I'm a broken record, but I love the members area, it's amazing. And so what I've looked at first then is shots in the box over the last four matches. Uh, among midfielders priced at nine million, nine million or below, and so yeah, Madison replacement, Foden replacement, potentially. You know, this is the bracket we're looking at. I'll talk about Salah's stats separately because so, I sort of feel like him being around sort of skews the 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 conversation. If you're looking for a direct direct replacement. Um, so, yeah, that that's why I, th- I just think just still keeping it to this uh, particular bracket is worth looking at. So, interestingly enough, then, Jared Bowen is among midfielders priced at nine million or below the top uh, midfield player. Full shots in the box over the last four matches with 13 of those. Uh, Foden, second with 12. Obviously, you aren't going to have him this week. Saka is fourth with nine. Again, you're not going to have him. Uh, but uh, Harvey Barnes is... Uh, got 10 so he's third best but as you probably aren't too shocked to hear only one of those is a big chance and only four of them are on target which is quite normal for him so I wouldn't necessarily be talking about him as a particular option but um Trossard in the top 5 which is probably useful for people to know uh, with his 9 uh, although of course largely he's been playing an attacking role and could play at left wing back, just have to remind people of that. One person worth pointing out who someone has actually mentioned in the chat which is uh, our friend Tim who has said that uh, Paquetta was unlucky yesterday and certainly the stats will show that he's a persistent fella because he's only played 299 minutes in the last four matches, which, as you can see from the table, if if you're not a podcast listener, so I do apologise on that particular regard, uh, is is a lot less than some of the other guys on this list. So, you know, Bowen's played 360 minutes. Uh, so, you know, Saka's played 346. Barnes, 354. Trossard, 326. So Paquetta's a little bit lower because I think within that four matches is you know, him being sort of eased into the team, so to speak. Uh, his uh, eight shots in the box in that means that his minutes per shot, um, I mean, the minutes per shot actually isn't specific on location, but it's every 28.6 minutes, which is pretty good uh, compared to, uh, oh, sorry, that's his, <laughs> I'm completely wrong thing here. Uh, it's 21.4 minutes. It's still, it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good for him. Um, and it's, it's better than Bowen's, I should say. Uh, Bowen is averaging a chance every 24 minutes, Paquetta every 21.4. Uh, I've got that. I got that question about uh, uh, Sinisteria again. What I will just say is, even though I like him as a differential because he's clearly a player of quality and not many people own him, it's worth pointing out that in the players we've got on the screen. So, I mean, I've got the top eleven. I'll just read them all out. This is the top eleven for midfielders priced at nine million below shots in the box: is Bowen, Foden, Barnes, Saka, Trossard, Jolinton, Paqueta, Mount, Almiron, March, and Zaha. Uh, That that was from that was from best to worst within that top 11 and so therefore Sinister are not in that particular bracket unfortunately um other people i do would like to point out on that and we'll get on to accuracy in a minute but um mount obviously in there and we've been talking about him already and you know i think when i was looking at him as a potential option on my wildcard two weeks ago i kind of i mean his creativity was of course was relatively decent but there wasn't too many shots i was um that i was Excited about it. it, just wasn't really the level of shots that got me excited about him. That may may have changed in the last couple of weeks. He's shooting a little bit more, and so eight shots on target of him. Uh, shots in the box, I should say, for him. Solly March is, if you, you know, are looking for a cheaper option, and you kind of all you can really do is switch to a midfielder in that bracket. I, I think that Solly March could be a decent differential this week. I've had him for a couple of weeks, um, and so yeah, he's had seven shots in the box in the last four matches, which is actually the same amount as Zaha. And, two, and he's had more big chances than Zaha as well. So, two big chances for March and none for Zaha. So, you know, technically, like if you haven't got either March or Zaha and you need to buy one, you feel like you need to buy one of them for game week 12, technically, March is the better option based on those uh, attacking stats. And of course, he's got the easier fixture as well. So, yeah, that's uh, it's worth knowing. In terms of the accuracy, then, it does flip things a little bit um, because Bowen all of a sudden drops a little bit. He was top of that chart for shots in the box, so he's only got four. And so he he falls below about about eight or nine players. And so Foden, annoyingly, you know, if you're looking for a Madison replacement, who has had the most shots on target among midfielders priced nine million below for game week 12? Well, it's Phil Foden. He doesn't have a fixture. Uh, Anthony, who rockets into this situation because he doesn't have that many shots in the box, but um, just, just six, in fact. But he's had seven shots on target, which is the joint second most. He, he likes shooting from range. Um, again, if you're looking for Madison replacements and you want players who've had shots on target, <laughs> Madison's the third best. So if you want Madison to be your Madison replacement, then be my guest. He's obviously not playing. Saka, with six, not playing. Interestingly enough, uh, the Brighton midfielder with the most shots on target in the last four matches in this particular price packet is actually McAllister, but not many of them have been in the box, just the one for him. And so, um, compared with Trossard with nine in the box and five on target, you know, Trossard is still clearly the bigger threat. One less shot on target, but considerably more big chances. Uh, he's got five, which I think is actually the most of uh, midfield players in this bracket. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, provided he's going to carry on playing in an advanced position. Almiron and Jacob Murphy also have five shots on target as well and just to complete that list Bowen a little bit lower down compared to how many you know, his his shots in the box is good shots on target not so good Harvey Barnes again shots on target not great Paqueta uh, half of his eight shots in the box have been on target Christie at Bournemouth Erdegaard at Arsenal obviously not playing Sam Maximan and Kuyate at Forest so that can, sort of gives you an idea of What the goal threat is looking like in this particular bracket. But obviously it is not just about the goal threat. We do need to consider the assist potential as well. And ironically enough, the most creative player in the Madison Price bracket over the last four matches is Madison. (laughs) He has the most creative, he has the most key passes in the last four matches with 12. But Bowen with 11, which is huge, um, really, when you compare that with the fact that he's shooting in the box a lot as well. I know it's Liverpool, but but West Ham's fixtures are looking pretty good coming up. And I don't know. I just kind of feel like that West Ham will get something in this game. Uh, Pascal Gross, uh, crucially, quite far away from uh, Trossard in terms of creativity. Now, we didn't really talk about Gross in that previous bracket in terms of the, the shots in the box because he wasn't really anywhere near uh, Trossard for goal threat. But he's third highest in this particular group of players for uh, chances created with 10 and he's created three big chances which is i mean that's that's really important um you know registering how big the chances that are being created are is really really important and so then uh, you know that's that's the joint best in this particular bracket um and Trossard's created eight chances so just two fewer but none of them have been big chances and so gross is your uh, is, is your assist man in theory, and Trossard is what well, you'd hope would be the one getting uh, getting the goals, and just a real lot of reset list in terms of key passes. Then Saka with nine, Aaronson with eight, Dewsbury Hall with eight, Foden with eight, uh, Gameros with eight, Erdegaard with eight, Pereira, Fulham with eight, and Trossard with eight. Some of those won't play, obviously, and so then just rounding up this particular category. Then looking at expected goal involvement in this bracket over the last four matches. Saka tops it with three point oh nine. Obviously, he's had a penalty in that time. Uh, Bowen with two point seven two. Believe he's had a penalty as well. Madison, brilliant. Thanks, mate. You're still doing pretty high. So it does mean that in theory, unless you, <laughs> if you just go purely unexpected goal involvement and you want to improve on Madison, technically the only person you can get to improve on that is Bowen because he ranks third and Saka ranks highest and he's not playing. Foden is third. Uh, is fourth? Sorry, on two point five six. Martinelli is fifth on two. Almiron is 6th on 1.99. He's level with Willock on 1.99. The really frustrating thing here is, from those you can see and obviously what I've read out, is that so many of the players who have have performed to a comparative level with Madison's stats over the last four game weeks are Man City and Arsenal players and they don't play, which <laughs> is really, really frustrating. And so just kind of tying all of this up together... You know, looking at the fixtures that are on offer, Brighton aren't on, on this list for the the decent fixtures, but you know they've obviously got the best fixture in game week twelve in in uh, Forest. So short term replacements, you you'd say they've got the boost. Um, but West Ham relatively high on this list as well. If you sort of Take all of these different factors together, and you you know don't just look at the fixtures, don't just look at the goal thread. don't just look at the assist potential. Um, I would say, depending on your budget, that your um, you're looking at your Madison replacement is is in it really should be one of, Trossard, Bowen, or maybe Mason Mount. Uh, Mason Mount, clearly the best Chelsea player for. Um, uh, shots in the box in this particular bracket um, I don't I, I mean there's sterling to think about as well but I mean you know arguably less likely to start a lot more expensive as well um, you know so so Mount's not performing badly for goals or just, but it is worth pointing out that um, for expected goal involvement it's not that high for Mount so I mean all of these options come with a little bit of caveats it's sort of the best of a bad bunch in many ways a little bit like what we had with defenders uh, when we were trying to replace Reese James I'll talk about them in a minute as well. Uh, and I did promise we'd talk about Damari Gray. Everton's fixture is not looking too bad. Well, he ranks 12th for expected goal movement among midfielders, priced below 9 million over the last couple of weeks, uh, last short four weeks. So if you want a real differential, then maybe he's the way to go. Maybe he's the way to go. Hopefully that's helped people. I know that's a lot of options, and I haven't really nailed my colours to my mask because I haven't really picked anyone yet but hopefully some of these numbers help people making their uh, decisions replacing Madison uh, Tim says um, b- uh, uh, Brian says as a Newcastle fan it's extremely irritating that a healthy Newcastle is so scary um, when uh, Bruno Gamaras is, uh, isn't able to play with the likes of saint Maximan and Isaac as well yeah I think if all those players are fit I mean maybe your, your replacement is going to be one of those guys because it's worth pointing out that Almiron's still performing well in this category and uh, Willickers as well Gabriel says, there is a bit of madness. Yes, I agree. We're all trying to get rid of Madison, and it's all a bit of madness. Completely agree. Uh, Salah um, uh, Bujalal in the comments suggests Rodrigo. I mean, I'm a bit of a stickler for stats, and unfortunately, I haven't really seen a great deal in these tables that would suggest these midfield players are going to be as reliable as your Trossards and your Bowens and, you know, your Mounts as well. So that's just my opinion. It might pay off. It might pay off. We do need to talk about Salah. We've got about 10 minutes left of the stream. We might run out of time to talk about defenders, but people probably aren't going to be changing theirs around too much this season, uh, too, too much this game week. We have to talk about Salah because he is so far ahead in that captain poll. I don't own him, so I'm terrified. So I've decided to do a slide to sort of maybe ease my concern a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I'm sort of a bit nervous about saying my opinion on this because I've sort of worried that I'm going to get clipped by someone. I'm going to say... Ooh, I don't know if Salah's going to do so well in this game. He'll get clipped. He'll score a hat-trick. I'll lose 2 million in rank, and then I'll be laughed at on Twitter. That's entirely possible. But um I did just want to look at um, some of his stats recently. Now, we already pointed out that his XG in that City game was very high, but it is worth pointing out he did miss some chances. And so that's something that I, I wanted to highlight here, is that in the last four matches, we can see that Salah's had nine shots in the box, four big chances, and four shots on target. Now, I haven't got a table to compare that with the rest of the league because actually what happened when I tried to do him in shots on targets was he's really far below like everyone else. And so then it meant that I couldn't actually take the table and fit him in Um, a bit like how I think the other day Sky Sports normally show the top 10 and then they roll the table around and show you the bottom 10. They showed the top 11 just so that they could have Liverpool on the screen there is a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 players who in the last four matches have had more shots on target than Salah. And that, you know, I would argue, obviously, sort of, you know, tallies with the eye test because, I mean, we've all sort of watched him miss some really big chances against Man City and so it just i do just want to sort of maybe temper the sort of the Salah enthusiasm a little bit not to say that he's not going to score but just i sort of i'm not entirely certain he's necessarily going to go completely nuclear in this game um, he he clearly needs to make some improvements on recent finishing um, and, it, and it has sort of been going on for a little while. So his his goal conversion rate is 8.3%, which for him is, is quite low. His expected goal involvement is 256 which does actually rank relatively favourably. But it is just the fact that his accuracy has really been a bit of an issue. And there was, there was, once upon a time, there was a time, even at the start of the season, when Salah was doing quite well for chances created, but just five chances created in the... Uh, in the last four matches, which again doesn't particularly rank him too highly, I've got his um, touch map on the uh, slide as well, which obviously shows that he's largely been operating on the on the right hand side, and he's still doing pretty well for penalty box touches. And I've got his XG shot map as well, which I, I'm a big fan of. And what we can see is that um, most of his shots are coming through on the right hand side, but they are, you know, there aren't too many of them that are particularly big. You know, the bigger the circle, the the bigger the chance, basically. Um, and But it's worth saying that his biggest chances, and this is a bit of a segue into just the next subject of uh, discussion on him, the bigger chances are the ones that are slightly more central. Now, I will just say that the stats I've talked about on Salah uh, for the last four weeks, in theory, are possibly outdated by the fact that Liverpool obviously have that injury to Diogo Jota in their team now, and Diaz is out as well. And so, people are sort of wondering how Liverpool are going to line up in the next game. Now, Nunes did quite well. Uh, on the left hand side uh, against Man City, you know, caused a lot of issues with his, with his powerful runs. Salah scored his goal through the middle by turning Cancelo. Um, and Firmino's done pretty well recently as well. So, and, and well, this is the other thing potential curveball. Trent Alexander Arnold came on in the last sort of five, ten minutes on the right wing. Could we see Trent play on the right wing and Salah move into the middle? Entirely possible. Salah does do quite well through the middle. Now, we're not going to know really what's going to happen in terms of the lineup until we see it. But it's worth pointing out that that is a possibility. That is a possibility that we could see Salah through the middle. And that could potentially mean that some of these numbers bump up a little bit. Um, Even if he maintains this level of accuracy compared to the number of shots he's got. If he's shooting more often, then in theory he's going to have more shots on target. And maybe that's what's going to help Salah uh, do particularly well. So it's entirely possible that those injuries do actually mean that Salah gets a a bigger bite of the cherry in terms of the attack uh, moving forward. But the one last thing I wanted to talk about on Salah for Game week twelve though, is just the fact that West Ham are sort of quietly becoming the informed defence in the Premier League. Um, I'd actually included this particular table just to talk about some defenders. If you're still looking for a, a Reece James replacement, or well, my Reece James replacement was Cucurella, and now I need a Cucurella replacement, possibly. Um, but yeah, so the last four matches, if we rank, excuse me, if we rank Premier League teams by uh, big chances conceded, it is actually. Uh, West Ham, who ranked best, with only conceded two big chances in the last four matches. They didn't keep a clean sheet against Southampton. And uh, they didn't keep a clean sheet against Fulham either. So maybe they're not that great at actually capitalising on this. But the stats certainly indicate that um, West Ham aren't exactly going to roll over defensively. They, they have done pretty well recently. Um, you know, a couple of reinforcements in there. Um, and you've got, you've got Rice uh in operate in front of them as always well. arguably one of the best defensive midfield players uh, in the Premier League possibly in Europe as well hopefully i don't get attacked for that comment in the comments but that's it's just my opinion but like you know they've all got all, they've got all the pieces they they need to have a solid defense and you know you know liverpool are actually playing yeah statistically the best defense in terms of form over the last few weeks so i don't want to say be wary of that without wanting to sound like a doom monger but it's just worth considering and if you are looking for new defenders moving forward I mean let's just take you all the way back to them fixtures again that's why I actually included this table West Ham ranking the uh, the sixth best for attacking fixtures but they're, they're, not, they're not doing too bad for defensive fixtures obviously and you know you take Liverpool out of the equation that then means that West Ham would then jump slightly higher than them uh, than a few other people in that particular um set of teams who've got decent fixtures because Bournemouth at home Man United away obviously just nil 0 Newcastle Palace at home Leicester at home really good defensive potential for West Ham in those games and so it's it's. I, I, I just personally think it's worth keeping an eye on a West Ham defender if you don't don't have one uh, Villa, Bournemouth and Newcastle complete the uh, the the best four for fewest big chances conceded over the last four matches um, and uh, Tim in the chat pointing out that Botman was solid yesterday well he is the Dark Knight so we shouldn't be too surprised but yeah he's I think he's still 4.4 million so he's potentially someone worth uh, uh, worth utilising in uh, game week uh, 12 when Newcastle have a relatively nice fixture. Um, and so that's the defences in terms of how they're performing as teams. But and uh, in terms of the attacking potential, well, we're sort of bringing it almost back round full circle. Because we, we started uh, talking about Paris at the beginning and here we are talking about them again. Because uh, I've got defenders over the last four matches... Sorted by expected goal involvement, uh, the highest. Now, Kieran Trippier is comfortably top with, uh, 1.64 expected goal involvement. And, I mean, let's be honest, we, we've all got him, haven't we? We've all got him. So, in a way, it, it sort of is a much of a muchness. If you don't have him, this just is further proof that you need to get him now. Interestingly enough, uh, Pascal Strauch. Or, I think I've said that right. Leeds fans in the chat, if I've said that wrong, please correct me. I like to pronounce things correctly, so I'm happy to be proved wrong. Uh, he's actually second best, but I mean, you probably aren't going to be going for a Leeds defender for this game week, but I thought we'd point him out. But Perisic, just talking about Perisic, he's got the third highest expected goal involvement uh, among all defenders over the last four matches. It is United, but they didn't score against Newcastle, and they could potentially go for a, a defensive display against uh, one of the other big teams to try and keep things tight could make for a tight game could make for a nil nil could make for a one nil spurs and he could play in the front three so you know um there's worse players to to take a punt on this week if you don't already have him and if you do have him well then you're going to react exactly like gabrielle in the chat who simply commented perisic love heart emoji which I can completely, completely understand. And they're just completing the top 10 then for expected goal involvement among defenders. If you are looking for one, Castagna, Robertson, Alexander-Arnold, Stones, who isn't going to play, Reese James, who isn't going to play, uh 4.8, you know, not bad. Uh, Cancelo, Botman, who obviously Tim was just talking about in the top 10 for expected goal involvement. He gets a lot of uh, uh, attempts from corners and so then that tends to, to, to boost him up. And the reason why, so I think I was going to include the top 10 I ended up including the top 11 because 11th place is Cresswell, who is in my team uh, for the reasons I've mentioned already in that their fixtures are nice and um, their defence has been pretty good. And yeah, uh, Cresswell is officially the player with the best expected goal involvement among West Ham defenders over the last four matches. He takes a few free kicks, you know, that's going to boost him up a little bit. Um, so yeah, but apart from all of that, I'm benching him this week because I don't want to play him against Liverpool, but it's the games afterwards that I'm interested in, uh, with him. So yeah, I just wanted to, to point out, uh, in relation to him, I think he could do quite well in the next couple of weeks. Um, as long as, um, Emerson doesn't come in, but largely hasn't done that very much yet. So again, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat. If you've got some h- hardcore West Ham fans who watch them every week uh, a lot more than I'm able to. Uh, if you, if you feel that Cresswell is at risk of losing his place, then let me know. But I'm not seeing too much to suggest that he was gonna, he's gonna lose it long term at least. Uh, so yeah, I think he, I think he's definitely a player worth considering moving into the World Cup. So, um, that concludes uh, everything that I've uh, brought to the table. Uh, to share with you guys on the first ever episode of FPL Monday with David Sunday. I've probably got about two or three minutes left, and so if you do have any questions that you'd like to to throw at me, I'll try my best to answer a couple of them. Um, (laughs) Chris says, (laughs) you have a bench? I do. I'll take you back to my team. I shared it at the beginning. I can share it again now. Um, I actually have 12 players for game week 12. Um, I wildcarded quite recently, so that was on purpose. So it means that I can bench Cresswell. And still start Webster, gay Cucarella, and Trippier as a back four. March, Trossard, Madison, Zaha, Bowen as a midfield five and Kane uh, as the striker. And it does mean I can sort of largely protect myself just in case Liverpool do uh, get something, uh, get a few goals uh, against West Ham. Um, Tim says uh, James Ward-Prowse isn't showing up this year, FPL-wise at least. Would you be worried if you have him? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I haven't really seen a tremendous amount from from Southampton, that to get something too excited from an FPL perspective. And obviously, we've we've done quite a deep dive into the numbers for you know the so-called Madison replacements in that price bracket, and and you know you would say that price wise, Ward well, Price would be within a shout, but the stats really, really just aren't um, justifying a, a move for him. I would say, uh, Ali McDonald says uh, minus four uh, hit to ensure I don't have ten men this game week. Well, I will just uh, remind you because I mean if you're only just joining us you will have missed some of the stats that we had at the beginning which are from the Fantasy Football Scout polls section and what you'll see is that 56% of Fantasy Football Scout managers uh for uh, game week 12 uh, are coming into this game with 11 players and that's quite that's quite a lot. So if you don't have 11 players but you can maybe get there Um, relatively easily then actually that probably seems like a sound decision because you know not having 11 players is going to set you back a lot more than in a game week when you know there's only Uh, perhaps maybe everyone's averaging around seven or eight players and so reaching that number is all you really need to do in this particular game week it does look as if you could potentially be left short if you don't have a full 11 but the comforting thing is just to sort of answer your question just specifically on 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 the minus four and it's uh, mr blackhand has asked about minus four as well um a question that i'll read out in full in a minute is that 33.8% of Fantasy Football Scout readers are saying they are going to take a minus four, which basically means that you're actually, you know, you're not necessarily on your own. You're not really going to be leaving yourself really far short by taking a minus four if lots of other people are going to be doing the same thing to get to a full 11. You know, you're going to be with the crowd on that particular decision, which means that by doing it, you're not setting yourself back too far. I mean, happy days if you've got a full 11 and you don't need to take a hit because, you know, these stats show that that you will probably benefit in that regard but basically I would just say that from these numbers you need 11 I think because lots of people are going to have it but actually taking a hit to get to that isn't going to damage you as much as you perhaps are concerned about and so then Mr Blackhand's full question was would you hit Madison out for a one week punt original plan was to get Saka for Madison in game week 13 but now Madison has ruined my plan I mean a minus 4 for this game week obviously I've just alluded to I don't think is a terrible idea chopping and changing and planning future transfers in it's not really something I'm a massive fan of. Um I mean, if you don't have Bowen, like I like West Ham's fixtures and his stats are relatively decent ish for that run. Like I think I would prefer to get Bowen knowing I'm gonna hold on to him rather than um you know, get or like get Bowen for one week and then get rid of him again or I mean maybe Trossard, because actually we've just pointed out that Brighton's fixtures beyond twelve aren't good enough to get them into the top six for attacking uh, difficulty in, uh, between now and the World Cup. So, I mean, if you are going to swap someone in out, was maybe not the worst or maybe Gross or something like that. And then and then you can get Saka in because, yeah, Arsenal 6 from 13 are, are really nice. So, yeah, I feel like I've maybe not answered your question. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a politician. I'm really good at not answering questions. So I'm, I'm momentarily expecting to be named the next chancellor. So I might have to be quick finishing this stream. Uh, I will answer one more question. Uh, from Abishek, who says, Aronson or Sinistera from Leeds? Well, we went into some of the stats, uh, Abhishek. So if you uh, missed those um, and you want to have a watch back, if you sort of go to sort of the middle section of the video, I don't know what the timestamp is. There's a few stats on how midfield players who are priced in the Madison range or, you know, the Aronson and the Sinistera range um, have been ranking for things like key passes and shots in the box and shots on target. And what I largely found was that neither of those players did particularly well across the board. Aronson wasn't too bad for chances created, but that's kind of all he was offering. And Sinistera didn't really appear in uh, goal threat or assist potential. So I'm sure they will absolutely make me eat my words. But from what I'm seeing in terms of the stats coming into game week 12, um, not, just not seeing enough from Leeds attackers to really invest in them um with full confidence shall we say so yeah that that's uh that's that's my view on that um i will i will leave it there that's uh that's uh the last question i will uh bore you with an answer for <laughs> uh but i just want to say some really nice comments in the chat uh tonight um Uh, People are clearly enjoying the show, and I really appreciate that. It's really nice, but it's nice to be sort of back at Scout this season after a bit of time out, and it's an added bonus if people have uh, fun as well. FPL Spartan says, Monday, named new Chancellor of the Exchequer on Monday. Well, anything can happen in 2022, absolutely anything. So I will will absolutely let you know if that happens. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so just to remind people that the deadline is of course, at 6pm UK time this Tuesday. So that's that's tomorrow. So you've got under 24 hours now to get your decisions in. And um, you can usher in that deadline. You can usher in Game Week 12 uh, by tuning into the Scoutcast on Tuesday. It's always on a Tuesday, of course, but with the deadline as well, it all of a sudden has become a deadline stream uh, with your favourite Scoutcasters. So if you want to make sure that you don't miss that, make sure you and I. I'm going to press the button now and hopefully it's going to work and come up on the screen. There we are. Make sure that you subscribe to the Fantasy SportsCout YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell to make sure you get your notifications every time a video goes live. And if you've had fun with this particular video, if you enjoyed it, then uh, uh hit the like button. You know, you don't have to. <laughs> But if you had fun, you know, we appreciate it. Just lets people know that, uh, lets the, the, you know, the paymasters of Fantasy Football Scout know that, 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 this video is something that you enjoy. And then it, you know, helps them, you know, let me carry on doing it, which would be nice. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for, for joining me. It's been, uh, good fun. Uh, good to, uh, to sort of, I say chat with you. I mean, I've just largely been rambling for an hour and then you've been submitting comments, but it's, uh, it's enjoyable. So thanks very much for joining in. And, uh, good luck with Game Week 12 and may your arrows all be green.